0: This call is being recorded. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things to all pound. LGB on the Locked Lockdown Browns. brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. We appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen each and every day. Whatever podcast platform you use. Make sure you're following. Subscribed to the Lockdown Browns Podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews, please. And thank you. Just remember, today's episode is brought to you by Get Upside. Download the free Get Upside app. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Sitting down here today from Brown's Digest through Sports Illustrated, Mr. Pete Smith. Uh, I'm going to talk some of Pete's favorites that came out of the weekend mobile here uh, we now have a full NFL head coaching tree. We're gonna get some thoughts here from that um from Pete as well as we continue down rolling into Super Bowl Sunday. Cincinnati Bengals, Los Angeles Rams from SoFi. Pete, uh the senior bowl this year and you know, again, this class is gonna be different, of course, with the amount of opt-outs from 2020 um and the amount of players in general just in this class. I even noticed that the underclassmen declaration list was a little bit shorter than normal. But there was some good talent down in Mobile overall, overall, Pete. You know, the game kind of gets lost, I I guess, when they get to it. Because, you know, it's really more about, you know, the practices, uh, getting the individual stuff in, trying to get the teams to function as a team within just three days. So you get to, you know, some hiccups certainly within the game here. But offensively, there were players to like. I mean, in positions of areas of need for the Browns, um, wide receiver specifically, there is a heavy, heavy, you know, top load at the top of underclassmen. Still some receivers. This tight end group just looks absolutely choice for a team like the Browns who love their tight ends like they do here. But Pete, some players on offense that maybe caught the eye as far as possibly filling some Browns needs come late April 2022.
1: Um, Yeah, like uh... – the opt-outs hurt offense more than the defense this year. Um, But the one place that was sort of pretty good in terms of talent was offensive tackle. Um, But the problem is that like a lot of the offensive tackle guys that are down there are either going to go way early, like a guy like Darian Kennard from Kentucky. You know, I don't know where he's going to go, but I don't think he's going to be in the Browns uh, neighborhood. And then you've got guys like, Bernard Raymond and some of these other players like Raymond's going to be 25, uh, as a rookie. Um, does that stop the bronze from taking him? Probably. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't think the bronze are going to get into anything that's going to sort of question their age choices until day three. Um, so the guy who stands out for that, Um, is Max Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette Um, in a lot of ways. He is reminiscent of Brian O'Neill who came out of pit. He was a second round pick by the Minnesota Vikings. He went down to the senior bowl and he sucked. Um, He just, his play strength was not where it needed to be. Um, He had great feet. He was a former tight end that sort of grew into the position. And now he's, I think he's in the pro bowl this year for the Vikings. Um, I don't think Mitchell was like a former tight end growing into a tackle. I think he's just sort of an undersized tackle. Now he is prototypical length. Um, He's six, five and almost six, six. Um, If you like long arms, he's got long arms, but the thing that stands out with him is his feet and his effort. Um, He's a guy who just gives you everything he has um, and does the dirty work in a way that's sort of similar to like Nick Harris. but Uh, you know, probably a little bit more physically gifted. Um, And he could slide into the, what was the James Hudson role this year of being that sort of project guy for a year. Maybe his play strength needs to get up there. That's sort of the big question with him is how is he going to hold up? But if you're talking about like a team that emphasizes zone blocking, it actually makes it more important for a guy to have the necessary play strength because he's going to have to be in awkward positions, uh, you know, one-on-one as opposed to potentially getting like a double team or something. So he's a guy that stands out to me. I'm curious to see where he goes because he is young. I don't even think he's 22 yet, Uh, but he stands out as a possibility for the Browns, especially with um, questions, at least around Jack Conklin's future. Um, I really like Khalil Shakir from Boise state wide receiver. His arm length is going to hurt him. I don't think there's any question about that. His arms measured short. um, His wingspan is not very impressive, but he's really good. Um, And he's been super productive for Boise State for a couple years. He operates uh, effectively at every level of the field. Um, He's probably not a guy that I expect to test very well, but when you watch him, he's very smooth. He's very quick and he's fast enough to be faster than the guys who are chasing him. Um, size is not overly impressive. Like I said, if you just look at him, he's kind of ordinary looking, but he's very impressive on the field, uh, dominated against man coverage, uh, which is, I think is going to be a pre- prerequisite for this team. I think he could play both inside and outside. Um, will drop some easy ones, but make some tough catches. So I, to me, he stands out as somebody that's sort of going to be overlooked a little bit and might be a nice value play for a team like if he's sitting there at the sort of that compensatory pick for the third round or the fourth round and the Browns have already gotten one receiver like he's a guy that stands out to me. Uh, I think that's in contrast to a guy like Christian Watson from North Dakota State and I understand why people really like him, but he's 23, he and he's raw just or he's going to be 23 here shortly and he's raw. Uh he looks like Josh Gordon, but he's not there yet. Um, and I don't know if the Browns want to wait for that. Um, there's a lot of work to be done with him. So if you're sort of like you come out for the sake of argument, let's say the Browns take one of those top guys at 13 and they want to double dip and a guy like Watson. Um, I understand why a lot of people would be like, Oh, take the six four, two 215 pound guy who can run really fast. Um, but Shakir might be that guy who just is ready to go now and can contribute and fit in this offense. Um, so that those two stand out. Um, the third guy that, uh, sort of is interesting to me is probably not going to be as interesting to most people is Daniel Bellinger, uh, the tight end from San Diego state. Um, he's not, was not the best tight end in mobile by any stretch, the mountain West was, like, a showcase this year in terms of, like, conferences and, and like, things that the Browns need. Um, the Mountain West had, like, all the dudes, whether it's pass rushers, tight ends, whatever, and they all fit in, like, that age bracket. So the the tight end class down there that was, was there had um, Trey McBride, they had Bellinger, they had Cole Turner yeah. from Nevada. All these guys are Mountain West guys that, you know, are intriguing for one reason or another for the Browns could all be guys that, like, Stand out to them. Um, Bellinger is probably the least developed of all of them, but he's 21. Um, he is a former basketball and track guy, and he looks it on the field. He's very athletic. Um, I, I think he, he creates separation very well. Um, he's not afraid to pluck the ball out of the air. I, I think he, he needs to become a much more forceful blocker. But if you're the Browns, and obviously, a lot's going to depend on what happens with uh, with with their tight end room and, and what are they going to do, whether it's Najoku, whether it's uh, – what's his face? Um, Hooper. Yeah, Austin Hooper. Do the Browns feel like they need to get somebody that comes in and plays earlier or are they comfortable taking a guy that has tools that they can sort of develop um, along the way? Bellinger, to me, is a guy you could possibly get day three, maybe rounds five, six, seven. Um, 21 can sort of hang out and develop underneath those guys, but has some intriguing upside. So he's not a guy that's getting a lot of talk, but he's a guy that I think um, if the Browns, and we'll see, are committed to sort of staying closer to their age, um, their, their history of taking young players, he stands out. I'm not going to say he's like the Donovan people's Jones of tight ends, but that is sort of like the track I would sort of look at him. Like he was, he was actually pretty productive for San Diego state. Um, But you're looking at a guy who's young and you're, you're sitting there going, he's got good, good size, good athleticism. Like what can we do with him?
0: Well, and the reason, and look, this this probably maybe doesn't necessarily come down to whether or not, you know, they continue with Austin Hooper. Of course, you know, under this assumption, we're talking with, you know, David Njoku re-signing here for the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, they like their tight ends. So, you know, to bring in one younger who will obviously be cheap, mentioning what you're saying, obviously, day three, um, with a lot to work with in understanding that there's not going to be a lot put on his plate early. Um, so you're looking for, you know, the opportunity for full development out of a young tight end here so when you possibly go to a larger role here for 2023 um you know he certainly you know doesn't come in cuz rookie tight ends it, it doesn't always all pan out right away in the rookie year even Harrison Bryant did a good job receiving as a rookie you know struggle times at blocking um you know still you know something that you know Harrison Bryant continues to work on to this day um but you know th- 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 their their maybe overall usage of tight end could wane a little bit but their want and the the need and the importance that they put on the position, that's it's just not going to change. So even if Austin Hooper, and with this class aligning the way it is, that it is a really good tight end class, the opportunity for the Browns to certainly dip in, grab one, would be, you know, it would be a shock if, to me if they actually didn't go that route. Um, but like you said, and yeah, the Mountain West, but it's a just deep overall tight end class to begin with. Um, not really... It's not really the norm necessarily with the tight end room Um, and even kind of even more shocking the way it worked out this year, because it almost seems like every year we're like, where are the tight ends this year? There's a ton of them expected Browns to definitely, definitely be active within that market here. We're going to flip it up here with a second with Pete Smith. We're going to go to the defensive side of the ball. We are going to get some uh, thoughts here on some Pete, uh, some guys that's really stood out for Pete. Um, You know, I, I we've done this. Before we haven't gotten Pete's thought on this, but I mean I really thought the defensive line showed well. Really thought there was a lot of decent secondary play down there. We're gonna get some thoughts here from Pete as we continue to roll on on this episode of Locked On Browns. <clears throat> Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through Sunday to the Super Bowl. Bet online still remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just football. Bet online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. Hey Browns fans, this is Jeff Lloyd with an incredible app who everyone buys gas needs to know about. Get upside. My listeners are learning, earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Touchdown for twenty five cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Download the app for free. Use promo code Touchdown for twenty five cents per gallon or more on your first tank. So people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a year in cash back, and there is no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Again, download the free get Upside app. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Promo code TOUCHDOWN. For the last couple of years, Pete, and I'm not even saying this is really going to be maybe a you know, first-round thing for the last couple of years, the defensive tackle – Position as far as the draft, it's just not necessarily been there. um Not a lot of depth. Certainly not top heavy. I'm not saying it's going to be top heavy this year, but this year it looks to provide depth. I think we saw some of that this week here. But your takeaways on some players on the defensive side of the ball who shined down this week at the 2022 Senior Bowl.
1: Okay, can I first start by shitting on one of the players you like? Okay, Parian Winfrey. Come on, man. Like, I get why why people are like him. He just gets through the line of scrimmage and is disruptive. He is like the antithesis of what this team wants on their defensive tackle position. Um, <laughs> like, I, you know, if, if he's tw- like, let's put it this way. Here, here's why you like him. He's 21 and he's really athletic at 300 pounds and can get to the quarterback. Like that's a hell of an argument. And for that reason, I actually think he's going to go way earlier than some people do. I don't think he'll go in the first round, but I do think he'll probably go in the second round. Just that skill set alone is tantalizing. But for what the Browns need, which is guys who can clog, um, or I should say, like, you can use a Perry and Winfrey, but you're using him to come in and rush the passer. So, like, that's good, but where do you take that, like, as a rotational defensive tackle? That's where I sort of look at this and go, I don't know. Like, to me, I think that's probably not until, again, that maybe that compensatory pick of the fourth round. I don't think he's going to last that long. But he's never played the run in his life. Um, and maybe that you can blame that on being uh, in the Big 12 and, and some other things. But, like, you know, for me, again, you talk about evidence. There is no evidence this this guy even knows what a handoff is, let alone has has done anything to stop it. So, um <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm uh, yeah that's been a guy that's like been floated around and I, I just I don't get it. Guys who I do like though. Um I'm a big Majai Sanders fan from Cincinnati. Um my theory on what the NFL is going to evolve into is sort of like a 335 league, which doesn't mean they're actually going to be like a 335 defense. It just means that teams are going to have are going to have to have the ability to have athletic um, outside pressure slash overhang defenders because of the amount of quarterbacks you can create with their legs. So and we've sort of talked about this, like with the chiefs and the bills game, neither of those defenses had a chance because of the way their, their fronts are designed to deal with those two quarterbacks. Um, You know, the Browns, were sort of aware of what was going on. They sort of saw the writing on the wall. They signed Tack McKinley to sort of create that ability. Obviously, he he's not going to be available with the Achilles injury, but I think the Browns are going to be aware of that. They want somebody else who can provide that speed to 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 create problems uh, opposite Miles Garrett. Uh, Majai Sanders stands out. He's a little undersized. He weighed in, I think, two forty three, which isn't bad. But I suspect he was a little overhydrated to get that mark. Like I, I don't think weight is going to be you know a thing that's going to be easy for him. Uh, but he's athletic; he can get off off the ball. He's got long arms; he knows how to use them. Um, and he spent this past year as sort of an inline defensive end because the Bearcats needed him to do that um, after a year where he was just running the arc and causing problems as that outside rusher, which is ultimately where I think the Browns would would want him um i think this year sort of benefited him in terms of getting him to be a, a more accustomed to to playing with with hands on both a, as a potential run defender but also as a pass rusher he actually had more combined pressures this past year than he, than the two years previous so um and and he showed well obviously the the clip that's going around you know that made, made the rounds at, at the time was him sort of going you know, against uh, Falale from Minnesota, who has like 130 pounds on him and Falale who without pads on sort of lost his balance and fell over. Um, now, you know, is that representative of what Majai Sanders would be for the Browns? Probably not, but it certainly didn't hurt to have that type of clip out there for him. Um, so if you're trying to get a guy who can come off the edge with speed Takes advantage as long, and he's really good at knocking down passes over his career, which is another sort of advantage he has um, from that position. Uh, the other guy that makes a lot of sense for the Browns, but I don't think the Browns are going to end up with him, is Travis Jones from UConn. Um, this is he—he he is everything the Browns want in a nose tackle. He is big. He's three hundred and thirty pounds. He's got really long arms he's got remarkable athleticism Um, and he's been super productive at UConn the challenges with him are UConn is not in the Big East anymore they don't play anybody as an independent and then obviously that hurt him specifically because in 2020 with the pandemic when everybody played their conference schedule UConn didn't have one so they couldn't play at all and they had to cancel that season so they lost out so He was great in 2019. He's good in 2021. He showed out really well at the senior bowl. He's 22 years old, which is right in that wheelhouse. The challenge for him is scarcity. Um, There are two guys so far in this draft that are like, look like they can be really, really good effective nose tackles um, that are in the age range. The Browns seem to prefer Um, Jordan Davis of Georgia and jones of uconn like that's the list um and do the browns value will the browns value a guy like jones enough to take in the second you know with their second round pick i don't know and and you know conversely we we have a tendency to overvalue nose tackles in general um so like to me i think jordan davis probably should go in the second round And if you're sitting there going, we can get him in that 40 range. Maybe that's interesting. But um, my fear is that Jordan Davis will go in the first round and then somebody will pull the trigger early on Travis Jones, who is very talented. I'm not sure where where the rubber meets the road on exactly where where the value would meet the pick. But I suspect he's going to go earlier just by virtue of the fact that if you don't get him – you may be out of luck. And a lot of that will depend on what happens in free agency and what teams are able to do to address the position. Obviously, I think the Browns would like to eliminate that as a a priority in free agency if they can and not have to go into the draft going, we need to get a guy. Um, But if they do, he's the guy that sort of stands out um, in that capacity. Um, And then uh, the other guy that sort of stands out to me is a guy that's sort of like, overlooked and part of it was because he was like projected as a first round pl- first round pick and he probably never really deserved that but he's also better than people seem to suggest which is kingsley enigbara uh, from south carolina enigbara has production it's not like he's not a you know a sack artist or anything but relative to what south carolina was doing he was really effective uh, people sort of knock him that he doesn't have any like single outstanding, like definable trait in terms of how he wins. But the thing is he wins like consistently and thoroughly as a pass rusher. Um, He's got size. um, The the senior bowl, they, they've stood him up a little bit, which is interesting. Um, He's sort of that big guy. You you sort of look at him uh, a little bit like Rashawn Gary um, with the green Bay Packers in terms of if he's athletic enough to do this, it sort of gives you another option. Now, the, the drawbacks with Enigbara is that, like Winfrey, he doesn't play the run. Um, he's not good at it. He's got to get significantly better at that. Now, having said that, if the Browns look at him in sort of that day two area, does that bother you if you're sort of drafting him right now because you want an edge rusher to come in and attack off the edge with and Clowney in the middle and Miles Garrett on the other side? it may not be that big of a deal and ultimately you draft de- defensive ends to go get the quarterback and maybe you're willing to work with him to try to see if he gets he's willing to make that improvement um i again the the, the questions with him are, are 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 rational they're certainly fair but it's you know it's not easy to find guys who are like almost 6 i think he's 63 to something that can be effective and get after the quarterback and sort of be looked at as undervalued?
0: Uh, I I would say now, obviously, we hear where you're talking defensive line play and certainly, you know, pass rushers. um, This is, you know, going to be valued for them. And, you know, and the thing, and I agree with you on the nose tackle thing, because the thing is, ideally, the Browns are building this defense, you know, built on speed building this defense to deal with the Kansas City Chiefs of the world, to deal with the Buffalo Bills of the world, to deal with the Baltimore Ravens of the world, Um, you know, where you're, if you're going to be contenders, you're going to be in these games, these games are going to be close, or, you know, you're hoping to have leads, which is going to lead to, you know, even more and more, you know, opportunities for the quarterback to either throw the ball or make plays with the legs and getting more and more athletic. I agree with you 100% on Jordan Davis, because even if Jordan Davis is the best at what he does, and I've said this before, he's going to be off the field uh, come second down. If he does his job on first down, you were most likely taking him off the field on second down, which means you really, really put it a, a lot of, you know, a lot of resources certainly put, you know, a lot behind drafting a player like him, you know, and, and I've seen top 10, which blows my mind. Um, you know, and you look at what Christian Barmore did this year um, for the Patriots and he really, really came on as the season went on, but you look at him and he was able to do, you know, both, Areas both fastest at the defensive tackle position and he didn't go first round. So, I mean, with Jordan Davis, I mean, for me, it's difficult to get into that. Um, And, you know, the one thing Pete didn't even bring up with Perry on Winfrey is statistically he is nowhere near where Pete Smith would like him to be as far as his production. So I kind of had a feeling that one was coming sooner or later from Mr. Smith. Uh, The NFL coaching tree is now full again at 32. We're going to get to that here in a second with pete uh get some thoughts here you know some i get some and i'll say right now we're going to talk about you houston texans i don't truly understand but we're going to get to all that here just a little bit here catching up here guys also everybody for the lockdown network if you haven't to this point please check it out heavily represented out in radio row ross jackson locked on saints is there Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings is there. Plenty of other guys. Peter Bukowski's in the house. Of course, Rams and Bengals hosts all in L.A. this week. So if you haven't, check it out as the Lockdown Network makes their way into Radio Row. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now possible for your local chain, store, chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why indoor often? Pointless or seemingly intimidating questions is your Odyssey and LX. Or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to RockAuto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low, and they are for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. We encourage you to discover your own car part needs. Go to rockauto.com. Do you need windshield wipers? Do you need new mats? Do you need new carpet? Are you having a problem with any of the physical parts of your engine or transmission? You can check this all out on rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know the folks here at Locked On sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. As I mentioned, we are now full again here in the NFL in the coaching tree. All the jobs have been filled, most staffs being filled currently as we speak. Um, uh, Interesting cycle. um, Pete, for me, the first one, and and I I just don't know what's going on down there. And there were a lot of jokes to be made for the Houston Texans for a long time. But the Houston Texans either were winning the AFC South or finding a wild card ticket, punched in, punched out. All the Bill O'Brien jokes we made, which now seem maybe like some of the better days for the Houston Texans. But you go through everything they went through fired a coach who essentially you brought in to apparently just coach for one season as it was. David Culley's getting paid. God bless him. All to just go ahead and hire Lovey Smith, who was in the building the whole time.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think anyone believes that they didn't try to do something else first and then ultimately um, were either persuaded it was in their best interest not to go that route and and make the choice they did or something of that nature um i feel bad for levy smith in the sense that everybody's like crapping on him even though he's a super bowl at least attending head coach who's done pretty well in the nfl um and also has put together like a pretty good staff so far like um everybody's laughing at the texans as he's hiring pep hamilton to be his offensive coordinator and george Mm -hmm. warhop to be his offensive line coach those are like good hires um I, you know, I, I don't know what this means. I, I cannot foresee a situation where the, a year from now the, they're going to fire, um, Lovey Smith, because I, I cannot imagine what that would do, um, in terms of everything that's going on with the Brian, Brian Flores lawsuit. I assume at that point, Lovey Smith just walks right over to it and says, "Yep, I'm, I'm in on this." Um, so the Lovey Smith part of this. I feel a little bit bad for him, but ultimately what should have happened is they should never have fired Cully in the first place because they ultimately basically are, are keeping a lot of the same people there save for David Cully, which is um, not a good look for anybody. And, and David Cully overperformed in his role there a- a- as head coach this year. So, uh, you know, uh, it's it's difficult to believe in anything the Texans are doing, clearly, because from on- the ownership is is has become a, a, a hindrance to what they're doing. But they seem to have perhaps better people uh, in charge of that team than maybe they deserve. So I'm curious to see if it works out. But ultimately, uh, it looks like a mess because
0: it was a mess. Uh, no question. And actually, uh, folks, if you're looking, uh, Draft Network, Joe Marino just updated his mock draft. Second round pick, 44 for you, Cleveland Browns. Looking like a genius, Mr. Pete Smith, as somebody else kindly certainly agrees with you, Kingsley and Abare. Overall, it's so funny, just as things come from the show into life here. Pete, the the rest of the hires, um, you know, I I, I try to think in uh, look a lot of this, and it I think it's a really it was a really really difficult year to address your head coaching position. And part of that is because usually if you are in need of a new head coach, usually you have major major issues at the quarterback position. The way that works out this year and I don't know where the answers are essentially coming from. So a lot of these teams, you know, obviously you want to be competitive, you want to show a lot of improvement in 2022 to maybe get yourself in a position in 2023 where, you know, you can, you know, maybe correct that issue at the quarterback position because I think there's a lot of difficulties with that. Like, I look at the Giants, and it seems like they're putting some decent things together. Obviously, Wink Martin, Martindale brought in to uh, be the, you know, defensive coordinator there. All of this looks good. Uh, where are you going at the quarterback position with Daniel Jones? I mean, just massive question marks is that, uh, you know, Miami finally gets uh, their guy down there. Is he going to be the one to maybe get, you know, to, uh, to the next level or to take this team from being as competitive as it was and, and get them further on down the road? in a division where you've got to chase down the bills every year now and a division where maybe it looks like the Patriots with Mac Jones will have some staying power. Um, some, some thoughts here, Pete, on the other hires.
1: Um, well, I mean the guys who have never coached before, I don't know what to, you know, I have no idea what they're, they're going to do or how well they how, how effective they're going to be. I think the giant situation is at least interesting. Um, for the reasons you mentioned Wink Martindale, Blitzing the crap out of the Cowboys who struggle against the blitz stands out um, as an interesting um, move for them. I, you know, I don't know what they really have on that team. So, you know, how, how long is it going to take to get there? Uh, the Dolphins, I, I you know, other than people making jokes about this dude, like being sort of, a, um, you know, being like abnormal in terms of what people expect for coaching, like – I don't know what to make of that. And then he, you know, by virtue of his uh, genetics, any number of people are stepping into a trap and, and making fools of themselves. So I'm kind of rooting for him to succeed, but uh, again, I don't know what, I don't know what that really looks like for them. Um, who else is uh, Minnesota is interesting to me. Uh, I, I remember when Kevin O'Connell was in Cleveland and, and um uh, he's now just sort of regarded well he was the quarterbacks coach with for Johnny Manziel. There were players here who thought he was going to be a star um at that point. Um and obviously you have him and Quasi Adolfo Mensa now two former Browns guys there. That's interesting. Um I I'm curious to see what they do. They're already putting out at least messaging that suggests they're not moving on from Kirk Cousins, which I think is more of an indication that Mervyn Guy from Kirk Cousins was way more difficult than anyone wants to pretend it was um, because trading him would almost guaranteed come with a, it's going to include an extended contract, um, which I don't think anyone really wants to do with him. And in, in that respect, it's sort of similar to Baker Mayfield right now with sort of how people view him is like, there are people who are sort of like willing to see how this thing works out. But they're not really excited about the prospect of extending him. No one has ever been excited about the prospect of Kirk Cousins with a contract extension. So, like the the moving parts in there are, are difficult. And obviously, if you traded for Kirk Cousins, who's currently guaranteed 35 million if he, you know for wherever he goes, he doesn't come with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, or Stefan Diggs. So like I, I think the Vikings are acknowledging that they're sort of stuck with him. And Kevin O'Connell does have some um have some experience with him. He was with Washington. Um, he, you know, he, he, he he was a guy who was with Kyle Shanahan, um, at varying points. Uh, so they have some comfort there. Maybe that's an interesting, um, situation for how that works. Who am I missing here?
0: In terms of teams who teams who made higher, I'm trying to think of some of them were earlier in the process here. You guys got the gist of it, though. Obviously, though, this is going to be a difficult year. Um, and, you know, for it was funny because for some people who wanted to bring up all these quarterback names and possibilities for the Browns, um, it was really interesting that people tried to pretend or say, literally to the point, that these people were available when teams didn't have a general manager or a head coach in place. And funny how those things changed kind of quickly. Here's one, Pete, I know you're a big fan of. Pittsburgh Steelers looking for a new general manager. Interviewed, Lewis Reddick.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: now they, they they are interviewing a lot of people. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're they, they, not trying they, to sound like Lewis Riddick's a front runner here, but go ahead.
1: no. And I don't think he's going to get that job. Uh, like today, they just requested to interview Morocco Brown from the Indianapolis Colts, who is also a former Browns executive. Um, <laughs> look, you know, Lewis Riddick has not been in a front office since two thousand thirteen. I don't know if that makes him less equipped, more equipped. All I know is whenever anybody mentions Lewis Riddick, I'm immediately taken back to the 2017 NFL draft where Lewis Riddick proudly proclaimed that he would take Jamal Adams first overall, and then Solomon Thomas second overall, and Miles Garrett third overall. Does that mean he can't do the job? No, but I have questions. And – then he followed that up the next year by saying that Bradley Chubb was better than miles Garrett. I don't know what that is. If that's a reflection of like miles Garrett's sort of personality and sort of like being sort of has uh, other not, interests besides. He's, football. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. He's unorthodox in terms of like how he is as a football, you know, as a player and having outside your instance, and stuff. And like, Maybe that's the thought process behind it, but like that's like there and, and to be had and, and to be viewed. Um Here's the other thing: is like, you know, we, we always like we, with the Mike Mayock thing, like hiring him as a GM. Like, why? If I and I don't know the answer to this. Does Mike? Does Lewis Riddick is the only way he's taking a job? Is is it if it's a GM job, or would he take? like a director of player personnel or director of football ops. My guess is he's only going if it's a GM job because he obviously has a very nice job at ESPN and a lot of people enjoy him in that role. That to me is always a curious I am I'm, I'm super you know this is not the NBA um where you can say point to Steve's current and go yeah, it was a great hire off TV. The NFL hiring guys off TV, go for it, but that's a really bad um the results of doing that are, are pretty awful. Um, so to me, I'm, I, I, I would not hate the Steelers to hire Lewis Riddick. Um, uh, but ultimately I think they're going to find a, a, somebody else to do that job. I don't, I don't know who they, who the front runners for that, but they they are taking a very, um, wide approach and and given that they are the Steelers and this is sort of how they ended up with Mike Tomlin that doesn't surprise me at all they're very open-minded in terms of that and they that is why they have been successful um so that part's interesting um uh, to me that I think they will end up with somebody who's really good um so yeah like Lewis Riddick I got nothing against him it's just that is literally the thing that sort of jumps out to me when, when you mention his name is Jamal Adams and Solomon Thomas over miles Garrett.
0: That's yeah. There's, there's really no coming back from that one. And the other thing that is though, is, I mean, you know, to be, you know, I guess it's about nine years now um, being out of the game, you know, like how, you know, how, how have you sharpened yourself? How have you gotten your skills better? And certainly the NFL has changed an incredible amount in, in you know, I mean, it changes so much within one season. Now you're talking nine seasons and, you know, to not just to go back in and not be, you know, not, you know, to go back in and just do a you know a job within the front office to work your way up towards it. So at least you're still seeing the day-to-day operations. You're familiar with everything that's going on. Um, but you go in and now you're so far removed and the league is vastly, vastly changed. Um, you know, is it one of those things where I'm totally happy where I am unless that were the opportunity? I get it. I, I can understand that um but you know not putting it in on the day-to-day and look i mean you know a lot of work goes into tv but it's certainly not the amount of work that goes into running a uh, day-to-day operations of a franchise i just don't know how you improve and you know we kind of just saw this unfold with the las vegas raiders and for you know the contracts that were given out the length it was supposed to be and where the state of that organization is at right now um so certainly you know that (laughs) certainly does not the
1: thing is like the job has changed like you're not, you know, the best teams in the league aren't, are are sort of going away from just hiring what it meant to be like the top scout of the organization. Like you're hiring, you're seeing more and more guys who are or, or people who are hired in terms of like their ability to manage people, their ability to sort of build an organization and hire the right people that they're willing to listen to. You know, this is why Mina Kimes came up as sort of a New York post article. Um, you know, and I, I I like the fact that they did that because it at least now injects her into the conversation like that. If, if I, like, if I was going to talk myself into trying to hire somebody off TV, that would be somebody I would talk to in terms of that, because it's not about just, can they pick the right player? It's, can they build an organization and and around them, that's going to help them make the best decisions. And like, you know, we had to deal with this for, you know, five years ago with Sashi Brown and this whole idea of, well, he's a lawyer. What does he know? You know, he doesn't know anything. And now he's just been hired as the president of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, what does that job really entail? I'm not sure, but it's not about, you know, necessarily guys who have been making their bones scouting the league for 20 years and 30 years. Um, that's certainly not what the Vikings did when they hired Qu- Quasi Adolfo Mensa. That's certainly not what the Brown, even though Andrew Barry does have a, a strong scouting background, it was more about his ability to sort of build the operation. And that's why they've been pretty successful. Um, Howie Roseman's one of the best in the business, and he's another one who's like a lawyer. What does he know about football? Well, he knows how to build an uh, operation that's really successful. So that's yeah. the other part that sort of looks, I look at it and go, All right.
0: As Pete is pontificating, we do have to cut this one off here, folks. More coming this week. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound.